Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. This is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, ring that notification bell, and you'll get notified when I post content each and every week. My guest is Dr. Paola Secchi Demeglio, author of the new book, Diversity Dividend, The Transformational Power of Small Changes to Debias Your Company. Dr. Sechi Demeglio is a leading authority on helping senior leaders make more inclusive decisions for themselves and their organizations, and she's advised some of the largest for-profit and nonprofit companies in the world. She holds dual appointment at Harvard's Kennedy Law School of Government, Harvard Kennedy School of Government, and Harvard Law School, where she serves as faculty chair of the Executive Leadership Research Initiative for Women and Minority Attorneys. Doctor, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today. You're very welcome. Uh, so let's get right into it. Uh, talk to me first about the motivation and inspiration to write this book now. Well, now is even more important than uh, ever, right? Um, so the book is coming out today, but it was long in the pipeline. It's a compilation of the work that I have been doing over the last two decades with uh, Fortune 500, but also with government, which helped bring the knowledge um, into a small compact book um, where uh, the passion uh, come uh, from, I will say on the personal side, I'm a first generation immigrant in the United States. Um, and I have around me and I'm surrounded by a lot of diversity uh, from all sense, right? from a race and ethnicity, but also from um, LGBTQ plus and minus, uh, but also disabled. Um, and I would like to say more than disabled, differently able people around me. And so all of that have, you know, drove an internal passion over the last two decades to make sure that we are creating a world that is uh, fairly equal. Next to that, uh, I will say my professional career led me to be first a lawyer, which gave me the tool, I will say the argument, uh, to make sure that what I wanted uh, to come across could come across. And to complement this, I will say, flow or not, uh, depending on which side of the bench is sitting on, um, I did and went back to school to be able to provide data to what I wanted to demonstrate. And so um, it is a normal continuation across my career um, to provide solution while informing science to the bias the world in which we're living in. Um, one of the things you write about, and, and there's you know a lot of research out there that uh, diversity can have a positive impact on the bottom line of corporations. So can you speak to how corporations can measure the positive impact on diversity, uh, particularly the impact on corporate profits? So I will take a step back over one key element, because I think it's always extremely important to realize that for the moment in science, there is no causal effect, meaning you're drinking milk and suddenly you will be a hassle. There is correlation, meaning that we do observe that in company, in team, whatever is the size, when there is more diversity, those companies are on the top of the market, wherever the market are. That's what we observe. 
And next to that, there is substantial amount of work who have been done, I will say, in innovation and in economic impact of activity, where we see that TMO are diverse, both in terms of gender and ethnicity, end up to be more creative, develop different type of solutions that are necessary to accelerate financial growth. Um, recent articles in Forbes magazine and the Wall Street Journal highlight the growing trend of companies, uh, particularly Fortune 500 companies, that are currently eliminating diversity, equity, and inclusion leaders, staff, and budgets. Um, why is this happening, and what will be the long-term impact of this trend? So I will say that um, there are several elements to take into account. First, we have seen that there is a steady number of chief diversity officers that have happened before, I will say, the George Floyd event. Then we have seen an upstick, right? Because of the demand on the market of, are you doing something? And then I will say now we see a stabilization, but what I'm not fully agreeing with it is I do think that companies are reallocating and making it a part of a fully integrated human resource system, the DNI, more than saying we are cutting down all the resource. On the contrary, I do think that since the decision we have observed from the Supreme Court in June, we have seen all those companies reallocating to a larger spectrum to make sure that all their past effort and future effort are fully incorporated into this ecosystem. Uh, one so of the I will not oh, I'm sorry. Say that, I will not say that it has been reduced as such. I think it has been more reallocated. Understood. Um, one of the things you write about is uh, onboarding and why that's such a crucial aspect of uh, increasing and improving diversity for corporations. So, so can you talk about uh, the onboarding process and why that's such a critical aspect of, of diversity in corporations? I will make a big leap of faith. I don't think you and I are just out of school. <laughs> and so we probably have been trying to be on board at least once in our lifetime, right? Exactly. Um, and so something that um, is very recurrent um, is how much employer overall underestimate the impact uh, of onboarding, of any type of talent. And what I have found is overall, this is a critical stage. Why? Because at that time, candidate knows if they're gonna leave. And we see difference between gender and between ethnicity. So right at the beginning, we know if we're gonna belong and if the environment around us is inclusive. And I don't know anyone in the business world who will say, we invest a large amount of money to attract the largest pool of diverse candidates we can. We bring them on on board and within two months, they know they're already gonna leave. And as such, it is extremely important for every employer to realize that that onboarding is not done within a week. And I'm sure you know, a lot of people, especially when you talk to younger generation, you realize that this is underestimated time for them to 
start building connection within the company, start feeling that they can grow, that there is a future. And as such, employers have a real opportunity, I would say, to extend. I will say almost 18 months is a perfect time to say your onboarding is done. And I will cut it in separate part because everyone has different type of uh, need at different moments. And I will say the first two weeks are generally about finding the ground. Where are the things? Who are the people that I need to talk to? And then you're going over the months with more in-depth knowledge that you're gonna need. Who do you need to talk to when you are in that type of project, for example? And we see that when shorter period of time are used for onboarding, uh, we have actually an acceleration of departure from certain groups. And those groups end up to be more likely to be women and people of color. And as such, invest money to make sure that they're coming in, make sure that they're also staying, and that you provide equal opportunity for everyone in the onboarding to get access to essential information to grow within the company. Um, in doing research about you, um, I found a concept that you uh, write about called the nudge approach. Uh, which I found fascinating. So maybe you can talk to us about the nudge approach uh, and its relationship to corporate behaviors around inclusion and diversity. So let me um, give back the word of nudging to uh, two of my colleagues. Sure. Um, uh, um, and, you know, they, they, they both of them wrote uh, nudges and Richard Teller won the Nobel Prize over it. Kassenstein, who is also on the faculty at Harvard, is a tremendous scholar. But what I have applied is the concept of nudge into the DNI sphere. So first, what is a nudge? A nudge is a light push into the process or into the information or into the way people will sequence other people. We remain with a free will right, is just changing certain type of way in which you're gonna connect information to make sure that those decisions you will make are the best and align with your long-term goal. That said, what it is in the sphere of DNI. So for example, a light nudge um, in the term of attracting diverse talent is being able to provide on the website the current organigram, just what are the cut downs in terms of gender and ethnicity, right? The visibility of what is possible to grow within the company, a small or large. In terms of recruitment, a small nudge could be, for example, if you are the employee, to, and you're going to find that very um, simple as an answer, but this is a question I'm getting very often. What should I wear when I go to an interview, right? And I said, uh, you know, there is no one size fits all, but one nudge that you can give to yourself is looking through the website of the company, but also back in the news and any social media, see how people are, 
that will give you a good cue if you are overdressed or underdressed. That's something that will also help you below. Another element that um, on the employer side, the person doing the interview is right away after interviewing candidate, recording what he have sought over a certain metrics. And in terms of annual performance review, that's changing uh, just simply the order. Thinking everybody should be promoted. Now let's use the opt-out system. Who should not be promoted? And let's justify why this person should not be promoted. Uh, years ago, and I used to be in uh, the corporate world and healthcare and so forth and so on. And your your point about the performance evaluation was so telling to me because it wasn't really connected to anyone particularly. It was kind of a generic stale process that didn't have any individuality. And to your point, it was just kind of perfunctory. So, um, you know, I, I appreciate you writing about the performance evaluation process because I think many organizations can benefit from relooking at it. Uh, in fact, the organization I was with, uh, it was pretty much a point and click. It was a system you just pretty much click and you print. And and so to me, I just found that a little impersonal uh, as, a, as a, a leader in that organization. But I'll leave that there. <laughs> Well, you know, I'm going to jump on that if you don't mind. Sure. You know, I don't know anyone and in any type of organization and sector on both ends of the spectrum, giving or receiving uh, the performance review, feeling happy. I think everyone feels stress, dislike this process. It costs a huge amount of money and of time of everyone. And at the end of the day, getting good feedback for progression and for growth is very challenging. And so that's something that I have worked on and I wrote substantially on that. And today, more than ever, there is, you know, the use of technology were extremely helpful. And one product um, that uh, I have seen um, working is um, IDEA, which stands for Inclusive Decision and Equitable Assessment, who is a tool helping de-bias decision-making, tailor, you know, around you who are the most relevant people to give you the feedback and feedback that will allow you to grow. So there is a behavioral perspective over it and a matrix perspective. So I think nowadays we have better tools, um, powered by AI and also big data, to provide, I will say, a better experience for everyone. Hmm. Um, you have had a long and distinguished career. You've been successful. You're sought after around the world for, for corporations. But I wonder if you can maybe share, and you don't have to talk about any particular company or entity, but has, has the lack of a diversity in a company affected you personally where you were in this situation you go wow you know this is this is not good um has that ever happened to you where where you you saw or was personally impacted by a lack of diversity um so i will distinguish both of them right sure. <laughs> uh, yes so on the personal side i will say i have been in a environment where the lack of diversity was from a gender and ethnicity perspective happened. 
right? I have witnessed that firsthand. Um, working with company, generally speaking, when I'm coming in, they are already in tune. There is a sensitivity over um, the importance of making sure that their workforce is as diverse as well. That's number one. There is a small portion, I will say, of company that I have been working with where I will say two elements. The first one is some of them said, we're doing, I think, a good job at attracting them, but we're making a poor job at retaining them. So what are we doing wrong? And so here, when I'm coming, I see all the biases that come into the process and you know, the compound effect of the signal make those individuals want to leave either sooner than later and as such cannot grow in the company. The other type of company, even if they are, you know, very well in tune into the fact that diversity is extremely important toward the product or the services that they are having is not realizing the biases that they are using even internally toward their own individual. And I'm gonna give you an example that I think is very resonating. It's um, a company where, you know, in terms of innovation, you wanna make sure that you're using term that and language with full on, um, I will say culturally and socially uh, blended a language that attracts everyone to come to the pipeline of innovation. And with that particular company, you know, they were right on focus on to increasing the number of women and underrepresented individuals participating in their pipeline of innovation of R&D. But they were using one particular language, which was harvesting. Harvesting idea of other people. And looking at the data, but also conducting large amounts uh, of interview and connecting the dots have demonstrated that that specific word was turning people away of the process, despite all the best intention. And so we uh, together found a way of changing the word to make sure that any of the group were not fully excluded, but included to participate in the project. So I will say there are those buckets um, of organization challenges uh, that I can observe. Um, you talked about artificial intelligence, and it seems like every interview I do now, whether it's with filmmakers or writers or anybody in the business community, scientists, whoever I talk to, uh, AI seems to come up as a topic. Um, and so in your experience, um, how will the rush to AI affect diversity? And maybe what are some of the challenges that, that could come about because of that? So uh, to put back the, you know, the, the record stream, my first article on AI was in 2014. <laughs> so <laughs> I have been doing um, and working and using AI since a very long time. And, you know, I have been a big proponent about um, the ethics of AI and also the biases that can crypt it. Um, so 
that said, the record straight because <laughs> I'm very well aware that everybody um, is jumping onto this word. I do think that there is two parts. The first part is AI will certainly accelerate every type of equality or inequality that we can observe if we do not pay attention to it. However, I do think that AI is a tool that nowadays it's starting to be used by the mainstream and as such empowering more and more people. So if I were to give you an example, the use of, you know, generative AI language interaction with the users may help people to be more, more productive. There have been just recent research showing that and actually helping close the gender and it, um, race and ethnicity gap that we can observe in certain sector. That's good news, but there are also less pleasant news where we observe that the use of AI is actually moving certain type of labor, certain type of activity, professional activity, where we have more, um, I will say, socioeconomic uh, differences that exist. And so where is the role, I will say, of company and industry and government overall? is to make sure that we are empowering everyone to use AI to complement their skill or to develop new skill with the use of AI that will allow them to get better onto the job market. And the side note, because I'm already, I'm working on, you know, polishing my next book, which is also related to the metaverse. How do we design an inclusive metaverse? Because AI is, you know, just a milestone into the metaverse. And it's, if we don't think early on, what are the biases, what are the consequences towards certain group, we may perpetrate for longer period of time rather than closing those gaps. So I do think that we have, you know, to be extremely um, cautious and careful in the way in which we bring AI, into her life overall also. Well, doctor, we have a, just a couple of minutes left, but I want to just ask you now, um, what do you want people to take away uh, after reading your book? Solution exists. You have <laughs> the power to do it. Wherever you are, whatever type of organization you're in, you can do it. Why? Because you are an actor of change as an individual. And the book, I will say here, is not just written uh, you know, for a leader and for Fortune 500 and government. Whatever is the, side of, uh, the size of your organization, you will find um, solution that you can apply, right? For example, I'm uh, giving example toward sending out postcard uh, when you're in um, a smaller company where you're trying to found a more diverse uh, candidate. And because you don't have certain type of budget power related of advertising everywhere. So there are solutions and all of them are backed by science. 
Well, doctor, uh, I want to thank you for taking time out to uh, talk to us today here on The Edric Show about your book. If people want more information about you or they want to uh, get a copy of your book, uh, where can they go? So they can reach out to my personal website or my social media, uh, which is mindfullastname.com. Uh, um, my LinkedIn is exactly the same. My Twitter, uh, well, I should not say Twitter, I should say X. X. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's at HLS Paola. Um, and finding the books, several avenues, available on Amazon and available in the website of MIT Press, who also dispatch not only to the big publisher, but also smaller publisher who are very important to support as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, doctor, I want to thank you so much for coming on the Edric Show. I really appreciate our conversation. Best of success with the book. And um, hopefully I can have you on again when your next book comes out. Wonderful. I look forward to it and you will remember. Of course I will. Of course I will. Thank you very much. Uh, this you. is You're welcome. This has been another edition of The Edric Show. I am your host, Edric Jerome. My guest has been Dr. Paola Sechi Demeglio. She is the author of the new book, Diversity Dividend, The Transformational Power of Small Changes to De-Bias Your Company. As promised, this is the place for intelligent conversation with interesting people. Go ahead and hit that subscribe button, ring that notification bell, and you will get notified of this content each and every week. I want to thank you for tuning in, and I will catch you next episode.